Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Sunday, August 27th, 2017. This is episode 67, Music versus Sports, The Resume. By this point of the year, most students have started school, whether it be public school, private school, college, and if they haven't started, they're going to be starting very, very soon. One of the many stressful topics that comes up, particularly for high school students, but I've even found to be the case for college students and even, sorry, but it's also happening at the junior high level. And I hope not really that much younger. I hope that our kids can actually enjoy their childhoods. I target this particular episode for parents, high school students, like I said, in some cases college students, or people that haven't quite figured out what they're going to do even though they graduated high school, and I know a lot of people fall into that boat. Junior high students, it's worth a listen. And also, guidance counselors and teachers. Now, it's super, super important to for you to know that I am a huge sports fan. I don't really talk about it much in these episodes. I love sports. I love all sports. I'm completely up on everything for two reasons. One, because I just love sports. I always have since I was a kid. And I follow them well and I know the sports well. I know the players. I understand how the sports are played. And if I don't, I research them. And the other reason, which I think is extremely important for teachers, is to be able to make a connection to your students. I will use analogies from sports constantly when it comes to music, and vice versa. The analogy is great because you can mesh the two. And a student who really, really loves a sport is going to understand the concept better with music and the other way around. Now, that's not what this this episode's about, but I wanted you to know that I feel strongly about both areas. I've even had students before who are so exceptional at a particular sport, and they were a really, really excellent singer or really talented in an instrument, and I actually encouraged them to focus their energies more on the sport because of scholarship potential and things of that nature. But the bigger issue is that resume. And I think the one thing that we have major problems with when it comes to resumes are the people who try to pad their resumes. In other words, trying to put things on that resume that they're not untrue, but you're trying to make the resume really look better than it really is. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever met that student, maybe you are that student, 
who does everything. I mean everything. They have to be in every single sport. They have to be in every music ensemble. They have absolutely no free time. None. And I've seen it time and time again. You know what else I've seen? I've seen people get really, really sick. I've seen people have major fatigue by the fifth week of the school year. And to that I say, for what? Was it really worth it when you were not able to perform at 100% at any of the items listed? The reason that this particular episode popped into my mind was something that happened to me when I was in college. It had nothing to do really with music and had nothing to do with sports, but it's completely related to this. I remember being at a community college taking a summer course. It was a social studies related course. It was like a history course and I believe it was on Western civilization. And my goal was to try to take as many of my core subject courses as possible outside of my uh, fall and spring semesters. I wanted to try to take them in the summer so I could free up those credits and that time chunk for my music classes in college. I wanted to be able to maximize my profit and maximize the time that I was getting out of it. And when I say, I say maximize my profit is the academic, the intellectual profit that I got from being able to take additional music courses in college. This is a reason to do what I did and did help with my resume. And I was able to do it in a type of way that was not irresponsible and not completely overloading myself. Which is ironic as it relates to this episode, but here was what I did wrong. Here was the terrible mindset that I had. And I hope that none of you have ever done this before, but I was remember sitting in my Western Civilization class and I had printed out all of my grades up through, because back then we didn't have the luxury of laptops and cell phones and all that stuff back in the dark ages, but I had printed up all of my grades and I knew what all of my whole GPA was up through the end of my sophomore year of college. And I had my entire course outline for my junior year and senior year in front of me and I was looking at all the classes and I was figuring out the classes where I was going to be able to get a 4.0 the highest grade point average course which ones might be a 3.5 which ones might be a 3 which ones I might struggle with and could possibly be a 2.5 and a 2 
And I remember spending, not one class, I must have spent three classes in a subject I actually did enjoy. The instructor wasn't too bad. But for some asinine reason, I remember sitting and I had my a calculator out, had you know the book covering so the professor couldn't see me, which really didn't matter in college. college a lot of college professors, were, quite honestly, don't really care what you're doing. Uh, and I'm sorry if any of you take any expense out there who are college professors, but the reality is a lot of them just don't care what the students are doing or not, which is justifiable. But at any rate, I, you know, I had my book up, I had the calculator out, I'm sitting here, I'm figuring out all these averages, and my goal was this. I wanted to graduate manya cum laude. And in order to do that, I had to get a 3.6 GPA. Cum laude was not going to be enough for me, which was a 3.4. I didn't want that. I also knew, unfortunately, because of a few bad grades I got uh, in my freshman and sophomore years, they weren't terrible grades, but they were grades enough to bring the average down. I knew it was highly unlikely that summa cum laude 3.8 was going to happen for me. But 3.6 was going to be within reach. And I remember just adding everything up and, and I was able to figure it out and I said, I think by the time I graduate, I'm going to have a 3.61 GPA. Now to my mathematical credit, I actually did graduate, graduate with 3.63 GPA. Now, I have to now say to myself, for what? What does it really matter? A 3.5 as opposed to a 3.6 as opposed to a 3.8. Okay, a 4.0 GPA for all of college, that's pretty darn impressive. But a 3.5 opposed to a 3.6, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Now, it matters if you graduate with the GPA that I had when I was in high school, which was like a 2.7 or a 2.8. That mattered because I didn't have the magic three. It actually hurt my chances of getting into certain colleges because a little bit of a risk. Now let's relate this back to the resume. You need to ask yourself, for what? Let's take someone who is playing a sport in high school. Let's say that person is playing football. Let's say that same student is also in the band and plays the trombone. Now the trombone is not an unpopular instrument or a popular instrument. It's kind of in between. It's one of those instruments where you certainly need them, but there's not a shortage of them. But the good ones that are out there do have potential to be able to do something with the instrument going into college and after college. Now, take the instrument that you're playing, trombone. 
take a look at your ability level. How good do you think you are? How good do you think you could be? Do you know that honestly about yourself? Has your teacher told you that? Do you already take private lessons with someone? Or do you even have a teacher who might be an expert on the trombone, who's your high school teacher, who just is a great teacher and is able to, on their own, be able to take you to a high level with your playing? Now let's evaluate your role on the football team. Are you a starter? Let's just start with that. Are you a starter or a backup? After that's established, what kind of starter are you? Are you someone who's more of, for lack of a better word, a role type player? Not to diminish any role on a football team, but are you someone who perhaps is on the offensive line because you happen to be a little bit bigger? Are you someone who is a second string running back and you're not getting the bulk of the carries? Are you someone who's on defense and you're not in on every single play? Or, quite honestly, you're not a great tackler, you're not an outstanding ball handler, or on the other hand, are you that quarterback who's got a rifle arm with pinpoint accuracy and the it factor? You have to weigh all that stuff. There are too many people in high school who don't do that. Now I understand that being in a musical ensemble or playing on a sports team, there is a social element involved. It's critical. There are kids out there who need marching band. They need it. They need it for their self-esteem. They need it to make friends. They need it to find a way to fit in. They need it because maybe they've been bullied by other people and they finally found a group of people who accepts them for who they are. Maybe they need it because they're planning on going into one of the armed forces and they want to learn how to march. I've had students that have done that before. Or are you on the sports team, go back to football, where you just love being on that sideline and being with, with everybody there. And that sense of camaraderie and that rush you get from being there on Friday nights with everybody in the community there, cheering their heads off with the cheerleaders, with the band playing in the background, you have the loudspeaker, the loud music when you're warming up. The whole sense of stuff that goes down in the locker room and you don't mind a coach that might be getting in your face about something, but something where you messed up and you know you need to do better. So there is a social element involved too. But I still find that that's not always happening. I always ask these questions to students. 
Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for social reasons? Is it for your resume? Is it to make your parents happy? Is it making you happy? Is it something you want to be doing or you're being told that you need to do it? Is it something that you're doing because you know you're good at it, but your heart isn't into it? The worst reason to be involved with a music ensemble or any performing arts type of ensemble, being in a musical theater or anything of that nature, and being on a sports team, the worst reason is to pad your resume, to add things to your resume. It's the worst reason to do it. It's not worth it. In the end, it's not worth it. And it's especially not worth it when you are burning the candle at both ends and you're burning yourself out. Because guess what, high school students? On top of everything else, there's this other thing. It's called school. It's called school work. And we live in a society where, unfortunately, no, the emphasis is not on football or band or chorus or lacrosse as much as it is on math and English. That's just a fact. We can't get around that. So, if you're doing all those activities, are your grades now suffering? You have to find a healthy balance. It has to be there. You need to really sit down and go through all of the reasons of why you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't have all of those answers, you need to start figuring it out. And if you can't figure it out on your own, you need to ask for help. It's what guidance counselors are paid to do. Your parents may not be able to help you. Your parents, quite honestly, might be steering you in a bad direction. Now, I understand you live under their roof if you're a high school student, and you may have to abide by what they want. I've seen horrible situations where my break, my heart just, just is crushed when I hear some of the reasons why kids are doing what they're doing. And unfortunately, it's the pressure coming from their families or, sadly, families that even into the high school years are living vicariously through their children for the things that they didn't get to do or whatever have you. But for heaven's sake, don't overload yourself. I have students right now who are doing too much. They're doing too much. They don't have any free time. I mean, I'm not talking about the school year. I'm talking about the summer right now. They don't have any free time. How are you going to be able to enjoy life if you have no free time? You need free time. We all do. You need time to be able to decompress, 
You need time. And I have a, a little a little thing that I found the other day. Make time every day to do something that makes you happy. If that musical ensemble is making you happy, might be a good reason to do it. Vice versa with sports. So you may have been surprised when you tuned into this podcast episode. You may have been saying to yourself, oh my goodness, he's going to pit the two against each other. Listen, there'll be some other podcast episodes where I'm going to make some strong arguments for each one. This one is about both areas. It's about the kids that are doing a particular sport where they're on the high school team, they're on a club team, they're on the rec team, they're on a travel team, they're on like eight different teams. Why? Why? I don't understand it. I don't get it. One of my favorite things, I don't really talk about my family much, but... I'll just say, I'll just leave it at one of my family members. I absolutely love the approach that they took with their kids. Because they said, pick a sport, and that's going to be the sport you stick with. And we'll be there to support you, but we're not going to overload you with the sport. And the second that you're not enjoying it, you're not going to do it anymore. If you want to switch to another sport, then so be it. Now, we're not going to be doing musical chairs with sports, but they said to stick with one sport. I think it's a great idea. But it's these other people out there. You fall under the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You do many things okay. You don't do any of them well. And there have been times in my life where I've been guilty of that. I can freely admit it. I look back at some points in my life, I don't know how I was doing what I was doing. I know this much, I was doing too much. And there were things in my life, forget about the personal life, just in my professional life, that were suffering. They weren't as great as they could be. My voice, I could have been singing better. My performing on a particular instrument, I could have played better if I had more time to practice. My conducting, and I'm getting onto the podium, knowing full well that there's there's a piece and there's a score right there that I didn't look at enough, and I'm sorry to say it, but there were times I hadn't looked at it at all. And it's inexcusable. And it's inexcusable for you to be a music student and not be able to give the appropriate time to your discipline or an athlete with the same argument. There has to be that whole question. Why are you doing what you're doing? How is it going to help your resume. How is it going to help you? If you go back to the trombone, uh, let's say, trombone quarterback argument, let's just go with those two. 
Let's say you are the starting quarterback. But you don't have that rifle arm. And quite frankly, this may be your only opportunity in your life to be able to be the quarterback of a good team. Or even a not-so-great team. Is that more important to you than playing the trombone where undoubtedly you will be able to play that instrument for the rest of your life. That is one thing I can say in defense of music. If you play a musical instrument or you sing, you can do that for the rest of your life. You can do it into your 80s. I've known many people who have. And do it at a pretty high level. Last I checked, most people who tried to play tackle football in their 40s and 50s probably felt after the game like they needed a hip replacement. So, there's something to be said for that as well. Now, here's another thing to think about. Throw the resume aside for a second. Do you have the potential to parlay that skill that you have into something for college? Are you a good enough, we'll take football in this case again, are you a good enough player to be able to help you to get into a Division three college and be able to play your sport? Last I checked, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Division three athletes get free rides. I could be completely wrong with when I say that. Maybe completely speaking out of term. But I know this much. I know that I went to a Division three school and there were people who got some very big scholarships for music and in other areas as well. Matter of fact, I knew of people that got scholarships just for simply playing in certain ensembles. I got a nice chunk of money just for playing in a pep band that had a limited commitment. And we were as a pep band at football games. We didn't have a marching band. Get paid well. I got paid to be in the bands. Now I was happen to happen to be in the music department. There was a scholarship that was involved. It was fun, and I made, you know, I was able to, to defray the costs of my, my college education. It was awesome. So that needs to be factored in, too. I've known students before who, because of them being an athlete or because of their musical ability, it helped them to get a better placement in the school in terms of their locale. Give you a prime example. Take a huge school like Rutgers. That's as big a college as you're gonna find. That university is massive. If you are an outstanding music student, you need to be by the music building in some way. Hence, if you have a strong musical ability, even if you're not a music major, you may find yourself on the main campus in your freshman year. There are a lot of 
other people where that doesn't happen. You may not be on the main campus. You might be at another campus elsewhere where quite honestly, you don't have as many things accessible to you. It's not anything against Rutgers or anything. There's always gonna be a fringe benefit from being on the main campus, being in the center of all the action. I've known people to get preferential parking, preferential treatment when it comes to placement in dorms or apartments, preferential treatment in terms of the number of, uh, of um, roommates they had or suite mates they had. Now I've seen it with sports too, but I've seen it a lot more often with music. These are all things that are part of the argument. So when we're talking about that resume, you need to think about these things as well. But don't do these things just to pad the resume. Experienced college recruiters will see through the baloney instantly. Because a major part of getting into these schools is the interview process now. I didn't have to go through that. I got accepted into schools, I didn't have any interview. Now that's not to say that other schools, I'm not to say not saying that all schools, the interview process is important, but I'll tell you the key ones where you really want to get into, there's usually an interview process that's involved. And they're probably gonna ask you questions about those things on your resume. How are you gonna answer them? How are you gonna answer someone who asks you, how in the world were you able to balance three softball teams, a lacrosse team, being in all-state band and all-state chorus? How are you able to do all of those things? Weren't they happening at the same time? How are you gonna answer that question? <laughs> Probably poorly. Because I don't think a college wants a student who is trying to just do everything. They want to know that you've been able to take a particular whatever and excel at it. Because the colleges want you to be able to do something great at their school to make them look great. It's all part of the game. What have you done for me lately? What are you going to bring to our college? Your personality is not going to be enough. What are you going to bring academically? What are you going to bring intellectually? What are you going to be able to bring creatively to the school? You need to start thinking about these things. Parents, I really hope that this has been helpful to you and I hope it's been an eye-opener. If it just opens the eyes of one parent out there, I'll know that this podcast episode was worth something. I see so many families completely misguided with this particular subject of trying to do everything. It's a bad idea. It never ends well. You try to do too much, what's going to happen ultimately with your child? They're going to miss out on something. Whether it affects their social life, whether it affects their happiness, aside from the social life, just their happiness in general, 
Is it causing them too much stress? And most importantly, is it going to affect their health? And you know what? With a lot of those things that I just mentioned, when those things are compromised, it will affect their health. And what good is your kid going to be when they are the star whatever, the star oboe player, the star pitcher for the baseball team, if they're at home with mono. And I've seen that happen way too many times. And it wasn't from kissing their boyfriend or their girlfriend. I'm planning on doing more podcast episodes in this. I feel very strongly about it. As always, please feel free to reach out to me at any time. You can check me out on my website. I'm happy to offer any type of advice that I can to be able to help you in any way with this area. Uh, Any schools out there for this particular topic, uh, if you are interested in having me come in as a speaker, I've done these types of lectures before on this topic and of course on other types of topics. Uh, please feel to f- uh, feel free to contact me at any time. Be more than happy to uh, make the appropriate arrangements. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode, and hope you ha- all have a wonderful school year.